Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, joined by my good friend slash my co-host, Devin. And today we're here to break down and review the adaptation of Neil Gaiman's comic book series, The Sandman. Oh, The Sandman. And before we begin today's episode, you can listen to our podcast on podcast platforms around the Internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And if you are a new or seasoned listener to the show, we would love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter um, at FilmOptics, that is optics with an X, or you can email us at FilmOptics at gmail.com for any movie-related questions. Devin, oh Devin, how, how'd you sleep last night? Were, were, you, were, were you in the dreaming? The dreaming was. Yeah, the Sandman gave me a visit last night and just did his job. Yeah, did his job, and yeah, I, I got to agree there. I was not, like, super tired this weekend, but, like, we had this, like, really big tomato fest, like, this art festival, this tomato art festival here in town that I went to go check out for a bit. Uh, that tucked me out a bit, and I went to a comic, uh, not a comic book show, a comedy show, excuse me, one of my friend's improv comedy shows, which is always a lot of fun, so... I was definitely tuckered up from this weekend, did a lot of things, and, you know, Sandman just... Put me right to sleep. So we had was, uh, we had an Italian fest here in Little Italy, and apparently Joe Russo was bartending at one of the one of the restaurants. Real? No, Joe himself. Russo, V Russo, <laughs> just the highest grossing director of all time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy, man. It it has been an insane weekend for sure. You know, I was able to finish up the Sandman. You know, last week I hit a bit of a. Um, law within my plans, you know, family came into town and I just didn't really have time to watch any of it. So, you know, I, I powered through the rest of this week. I watched it and I got to say, I'm thoroughly impressed with this, but, uh, what have you been watching outside of going to this, uh, Italian festival? Uh, what have I been watching? Um, I feel like I'm in a bit of a odd space myself. Yeah, just kind of waiting for things to come out at this point. But uh, Friday night, I did watch. I watched the original Predator just because it's on my mind with Prey. But that movie is just kind of hilarious. Obviously, the meme with Arnold's giant bicep and Carl Weathers' giant bicep just shaking each other's hand. It's classic. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think, the original Predator, or at least most of the Predator movies are on Hulu, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I watched it on Hulu. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I've been, um, oh, actually I've been watching a lot of, um, Harley Quinn season three. I've been watching that week to week. Um, so this past week's episode was pretty good. So that I was actually really excited about that, but yeah, we're kind of just waiting. I mean, like we have She-Hulk coming up and or, which uh, I'm just saying, Devin, we, I, we might have to cover Rogue One here in the podcast beforehand because Rogue One it's hitting theaters August 26th. Um, I think IMAX in IMAX, I should say. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's some fun stuff. I'm, I'm always down to see a star Wars movie in IMAX for sure. I I hope it comes to my town because I I think that's a nice little way to promote the movie. Like, Hey, you know, you should watch this movie before and, or even though the events of Rogue One happened before the events of definitely, definitely needs a rewatch. 
Def, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I could easily pop it on here, you know, if you have Disney Plus, if you own the physical copy, but no, let's let's go see this in theaters and IMAX screening. That's what I want to see. But other than that, yeah, I've been uh, thinking about starting uh, Only Murders in the Building as well, but um, been watching some Studio Ghibli movies as of late. So preparing myself for a few, uh, just, I don't know, I just felt like watching them. So I'm kind of just going through a few, uh, watched Kiki's Delivery Service, um, which I'll be uh, guest starring on a podcast, in session film podcast, talking about that uh, later on this week. So definitely keep an eye out for that. But yeah, that's, that's about it. I'm not watching too much. I've been trying to, I mean, playing some Spider-Man, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there, but yeah, oh, yeah, on PC. So that's a lot of fun. And, and it's it's best place to play it. I think so, definitely. And honestly, with an Xbox controller, it it feels pretty nice. I'm not gonna oh, lie. Yeah, it feels it, right. It does feel right. It's it's ergonomically just it, it feels so natural. Like I I play with my Xbox controller for it, and then I switched over to my PlayStation controller on my computer, and I was like, I mean, it yeah, like it feels fine, but like I just. Even with God of War on PC, like I'd rather just play with my Xbox controller. It feels more natural. It feels better in a way. But it, I mean, to me, it just I'm used to it. I mean, I don't really care too much about the haptic feedback. So that's just me. But anyway, we're not here to talk about video games, Devin. We're here to talk about the Sandman that is now streaming on Netflix. Again, this is Neil Gaiman's comic book adaptation of his uh, run of the series. Actually, he created the series 30 years in the making, which this is one of the few things that was deemed to be un- unadaptable uh, along with Dune and um, what was the other one? Oh my gosh, Watchmen, the Watchmen as well. Um, of course, from the TV show, then Zack Snyder's version of the Watchmen and the a thousand different cuts of that movie that we got, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, it seems like a lot of unadaptable um, properties are making their way to the silver screen and or to our, you know, to streaming services. And I got to say, I think this one definitely knocks it out of the park. So, Devin, are you ready to go to the land of dreams and talk about the Sandman? The dreaming. The dreaming. The dreaming. I can't do his his voice is so uh we'll, we'll talk about it. But ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after this introduction to the Sandman. Your waking world is shaped by dreams. Dreams and nightmares that I create and which I must control. He's out there looking for me, isn't he? Can you imagine the damage he could do? I need your help. If dreams disappear, then so will humanity. I could do without dreams for a while. I haven't had a decent night's sleep in ages. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. You just heard a little snippet of the trailer from The Sandman, and the story is as follows. Upon escaping after decades of imprisonment by a mortal wizard, Dream, a.k.a. The Sandman, the personification of Dreams, sets about to reclaim his lost equipment, which I, I like that that synopsis because it doesn't give a lot of a lot away because that is what launches 
the entire series into other events. And of course, the creators for the series, uh, we have uh, Tom Struage and Boyd Hallbrook, along with Patton Oswalds. And of course, Neil Gaiman is credited as being the original creator of the Sandman uh, DC comic books. And of course, uh, stars um, Neil Gaiman, uh, David S. Groyer, and Alan Heimberg as well. Um, I'm pretty sure Neil is in this somewhere. I pulled it from IMDb. Well, at least I pulled the cast from IMDb, but that could be a swap. That might have been might have been there on my side, to be completely honest. But uh, regardless, Neil Gaiman is the original creator of The Sandman. Um, I'm not sure if he actually makes his appearance. Let me double check to make sure. I wasn't messing up on the IMDb side. Yep, I was. Okay, so creators. <laughs> I do apologize, guys. I was making this note list like late last night. So the creators, of course, Neil Gaiman, David Goyer, and Alan Heinberg, and stars Tom Sturridge, Boyd Hallbrook, and Patton Oswald. So just wanted to get that out clear in the air before we move on, because I don't feel like editing this later. Um, no, I'm joking. But <laughs> uh, the way this is going to go down for everyone, um, we're going to get into our initial reactions, of course, of The Sandman. Then we'll get into our spoiler section and then a few Easter eggs that we might have noticed along the, along the way. And then we get into our final thoughts. And then we end with our ratings. So since we are a little bit pressed for time, I'm going to pass it over to Devin so we can give his initial reactions to The Sandman. Yeah, what a ride this was. I remember just having a feeling going into it that Netflix was gonna was gonna nail this one because when Netflix tries and they actually put in money and effort into something, this is what you get. You get a great production of of a TV show, a great introduction to this character that's been just kind of floating around for like thirty years now in Hollywood. People trying to adapt him. I think the last attempt was Joseph Gordon Levitt was gonna try to star and direct a series, and then. Netflix ended up buying the rights in 2019, and I think this is probably their biggest production ever as far as just pricing, I believe. It might be close with Stranger Things, but yeah, it was a really, very fun ride. I think the first six episodes were just fantastic, especially episode six. That's the standout of the whole series. Um, got people tearing up uh, left and right over that one, but I loved episode five. Um, you just kind of staying at diner the whole episode but it's just very very entertaining and thrilling and then um tom sturge as dream aka morpheus aka dream of the endless aka sandman lots of names he's got but i thought he i thought he killed it because at first the first couple of episodes it's not he doesn't talk much you just kind of see this tiny tiny little guy he's kind of unassuming but then you hear that voice and you're like Okay, so this this guy means business. He's got the voice down, and then Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian that felt like really perfect because he just nailed that role. Just the creepy little snake, just going around doing mischievous things. I just love the whole the whole setup they have for this this family of of the endless with dream, death, desire, despair. Um, I'm sure there, there are more, there are more that'll pop up next season, but there's just a lot to like here. Um, we can talk later, but I do wish there was some things that got switched around as far as the order of events that happened in the series. Cause I feel like the second half didn't quite live up to what the first half set up, but it was still 
um, pretty solid nonetheless. I definitely agree with you there, uh, Devin. Uh, for most of your points, this 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 feels like like you said, like Netflix has actually put effort into uh, adapting a series or just any just making a series in general instead of like you know pumping out the kissing booth one two and three all together um i knew little about the sandman going into this um series i mean i knew of the sandman i knew he's technically part of the you know dc comics uh rogue gallery um of heroes but this series feel it doesn't feel like a comic book like adaptation, which is something I think I appreciate about it because it's not the, you know, punchy, punchy kick, you know, action heavy, something that we would get with like uh, WandaVision or even Moon Knight. There, there's a little bit of that with the with the nice dream of of the little little lad in the suit, which is an homage to the original character, I believe. Yes. And it's it's very it feels more sophisticated, if that makes sense. Like, I mean, this is I mean, every single comic book, you know, adaptation out there, like there's a lot of fancy elements. But this really just feels like a high fantasy. The visuals are just so crazy. It's a mixture between CGI and, of course, using practical effects. And we'll get into that here a little bit later. But, yeah, it's just this this series really just blew me away. Um, I do agree with you. Like, I mean, I, I enjoyed every single episode, but episode five and six are definitely two that uh, stood out to me as much as I mean. It's they're just really really great episodes. Uh, episode five is called uh, it's titled twenty four seven. Then episode six, the sound of her wings. I really liked um, how they named each episode too. Unlike with like the boys, where each episode was really good, but the the titles didn't really grab me. But like with you know with these episodes, episode one, uh, sleep of the just, episode two, imperfect hosts. Episode Each three. of the episodes is actually named after an issue from the comics. Oh, okay. Okay. And I, I, and I believe what uh, Jared was telling me a few days ago, because he's like a really big Sandman fan, is that they kind of combined two story arcs together, which it did feel that way, because it felt like there was one objective towards the beginning, um, especially episodes one through four, and then it kind of shifted, I would say around episode six, really, because episode five was kind of like its own contains um story but yeah i really just enjoyed every single one of these characters like you said you know we get gwendolyn christie playing lucifer um we have kirby how baptiste playing death and you know everyone uh, um max uh excuse me mason alexander park playing desire uh donna preston playing despair like these are this and, and joanna constantine of course with jenna coleman it's just they they really nailed this. Charles Dance is in this as well. You like, I mean, you get a few Game of Thrones actors in there, and look, look, you got another hit in your hand. You, you throw these Game of Thrones actors out there, and these other series, they're gonna deliver. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> but overall, I really just it, I enjoyed the journey. I enjoyed learning about this world. It felt real. You know, you had the dreaming, which is more of the fantasy aspects, and then. You had, you know, the real worlds. Um, you know, it really is more of like the modern fantasy. I would say this is kind of like when it comes to modern fantasy, I would say it. Re I relate to it more like Harry Potter because Harry Potter isn't like high fantasy like you would say for 
Lord of the Rings, but it, it does have that modern fantasy elements where, you know, you have like the magical world, you know, the wizard world, and you have like the muggle world, which is just our normal world. But of course, David uh, Thulis coming through playing uh, John D was insane. If you don't know who he is, he played Professor Lupin, aka Remus Lupin in the Harry Potter series, and he did a fantabulous job. Yeah, I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna bring that up because I, I just kept thinking in my head, I kind of wish that his plot line was switched with the vortex one at the end. I wish they ended with John D because his I found was so much more fascinating. I think it would have been a, like going off with a bang a little bit more. I, I think that, that that is a very interesting concept because, yeah, and as we've said before, there are two kind of storylines here. One kind of like fades off with John D and then it starts anew. Um, so it really feels like there's two different objectives. But even towards the end of the series, like we still have a lot of questions as well, which is... Something that I think is really, really amazing. But yeah, I with, with the with the whole vortex thing, and of course, well, was there anything else you wanted to mention in the non-spoiler section before we move on to spoilers? Love Pat Oswalt as as Matthew the Raven, and also I want a baby gargoyle. That's that's going to be selling some merchandise. Of course, Gregory the gargoyle, and then there's the the new gargoyle. I forgot his name. I'm blanking on his name, but I mean, honestly, I would take a I would take a pet raven. One that could talk, though, you know, and then a baby gargoyle just to kind of, but, you know, just it's kind of like, you know, when you go to the dreaming, you can kind of like hang out with them. So, you know, they're always with you, but you don't they don't exist with you like within the physical world, which is pretty cool. Can we get can we get a, a, a dream Freddy Krueger crossover? Have them battle it out. So do you think Vecna is going to appear in this? <laughs> Any that <times>? too. <laughs> he could come through. I mean, heck, man, it's it, Anything's possible. They're going to have a whole battle in the dream world, just like the battle against Lucifer, which was basically a Pokemon duel. Pretty much. That that was, we'll definitely talk about that for sure. But yeah, man, the, the this entire world, like it made me, you know, believe that this world was real. And it's just the entire cast and crew just gave it their all. They're like, you know, this is, this is something special. We want to, you know, honor the what came before with Neil Gamlin's, um, you know, original comic book run. Again, I've not read the comics myself, but um, I, I'm really enjoying this adaptation. And if this doesn't get a season two, I, I don't know what to think, <laughs> but I, I've lost all hope in Netflix. Cause like you said, this is like stranger things money. And it's like, wow, it really does pay off when you have these high budgeted TV shows that you know you're taking your time with these. We didn't we didn't hear much about this for a while, but of course Neil Gaiman was a executive producer on this project, and it was very it it just it see it fits so well together. Like they took their time, they didn't rush it, and they produced a great product. And that's what Netflix's best strength is <laughs> when it comes down to it. Same thing with Stranger Things. It took a while to get to season four, but. It was definitely well worth it. So, Devin, are you ready to get into our spoiler section of The Sandman? Oh, yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That is your first spoiler warning for The Sandman again. That is your second spoiler warning for The Sandman. So if you haven't seen it... 
go watch it on Netflix. It's 10 episodes. There's plenty of room for characters to breathe and these, you know, these character arcs to flourish and whatnot. Watch it by yourself. Watch it with a loved one, your mother, your brother, your lover, whoever it may be. Definitely go check this out. Uh, it premiered on August 5th. So all episodes are out there for the world to see. So Devin, really quick before we, we um, dive into spoilers, do you think this could have benefited from either a being on HBO max and B having a weekly release? Could have benefited from a weekly release, but um, I don't think anything benefits from being on HBO Max right now. <laughs> That's true. We, we we don't want this this to get yoinked or you know cancel out of nowhere. So that 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 is fair. It's I just find it very odd that a lot of these other Warner Brother shows. I mean, even Ted Lasso is probably Warner Brothers Television, and that's on Apple TV Plus. I mean, I understand business is business, you know, when you're trying to get these other properties out there. But maybe it's a good thing that the Sandman is out there for, you know, just not in the clutches of HBO right now. <laughs> Cause it's not like they can come to Netflix and be like, this is being canceled. <laughs> then again, I don't know. Maybe they can, but yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah honestly, it, it's, it's crazy, but hopefully there's a, a deal put in place where it's like, Hey, you know, we're going to let this be, we're going to let this breathe. So, uh, with all that said, let's get into the spoiler section here because there's just a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to try our best to go through as much as we can, but you know, at the end of the day, can't really cover everything as much as we'd love to, or else we'd be here for a while. But there's just there's there's too much. Where where do we even start? Do we start with the vortex? Do we start with? I mean, that was a pretty big surprise in and of itself. Yeah, the vortex, um, which was basically Rose Walker's character being played by Vanessa Samunyai. I feel like I got the good attempt there. I think I got that right. I think so. But yeah, she she was a very interesting character. Um, I, I I liked her and I liked her brother, but then there were like a lot of other characters that came along with her, and I was like, eh, I don't really care about your roommates. There's like five of them just running around doing zany things. It's like I don't really care about these people. But that's that's kind of why I wish they switched the vortex with with John D, just because it felt more interesting to me. Yeah, I was really getting into the John D storyline and it feels like it kind of just ended a little bit too short, but I understand, you know, this that they're trying to, you know, push the story forward, but yeah, I cuz I really like John D's philosophy about, you know, purifying the world of like all these lies and just like deceptions. Oh, the things that came out in that diner. Oh boy. When when that when that cook when that cook talked about that lady's son like that, I was like, yeah. what the? I was like, okay, this, I mean, like, it was interesting before, but I kind of, like, as soon as we were, like, 20 minutes in, I'm like, okay, so we're probably going to stay in this diner for a while. And we pretty much did the entire episode. In episode five, which is titled 24-7, with uh, Morpheus is caught off guard, John settles um, in at a diner to which the people around him uh, put his theories about uh, truth and lies to a terrifying test, which was it was intense. It was very intense, and I it really it made me think because it's like I mean everyone tells like you know little white lies throughout their life, but it, you know it all comes with a reasoning behind it. But I thought that was very interesting. 
another episode, definitely uh, episode six, The Sound of Her Wings, which I thought was very, um, was a very beautiful episode. Um, the way that we finally we saw uh, Death, which is uh, the, or Dream. I'll just call him Dream, I guess, or the, the Sandman, however you want to uh, call him. But that is uh, Death is sister. And I love how she was able to. I guess it is expedition, but she explained it in a very beautiful way of like, you know, it's not that humans serve these, you know, these gods, I guess you could call them, or these entities, these these otherworldly beings, but is these beings who serve humanity when it comes to desire, despair, death, dream. You know, even Lucifer plays a really big part. Is this definitely my my favorite adaptation of death in any media ever um very very nice to look at that definitely helps and i like i like that idea from neil gaiman that it doesn't have to be just just this giant skeleton skull with a a reaper like the scythe like it can death can be beautiful like at the end of the day it's it's a part of life and you just kind of have to accept it and that's what this episode explores in in a very beautiful way just the various ways that people pass on, um, especially the the old man that was uh, the, the jazz musician, and then also the young lad at the beach. It's just it's just tough. And then even a baby, like that scene is is heartbreaking. But they did did a very good job. And they also combined that storyline with the one about the the man from the 1600s, I believe, where he he wished to stay alive forever, and death granted it. And then. Um, Dream gets to meet up with him every every hundred years after that, and it's definitely entertaining to to see just his thought process throughout the, the centuries and how he remains persistent and likes living forever. Who would have thought? <laughs> I I love how he's like, oh, he's like, there's just so much to do in this world. He's like, you can't do it all in one lifetime, and he's absolutely right, one hundred percent when it comes to that. But I I love it how he just. He's like, oh, he's like, people just die. He's like, I'm just choosing not to die. <laughs> then Dream's like, yeah. And all of his friends are like, yeah, that's rich, you know. But yeah, that was actually another storyline. I was hoping we were able to see him in the modern age. Um, the man that um, I'm blanking on the character's actual name. Well, we did see him in, in the modern age towards the end of that episode. Oh yeah, we did. That's right. We we did. I'm sorry. I, uh, he had to forgive Dream for being douchey because Dream was the Dream was like, "Yeah, I'm your friend. That's why you keep coming." Dream was like, "No, you're not my friend." And then they kind of broke up for a hundred years. Yeah, we saw him in the 1980s, but I guess, well, I guess I was talking about more of like the recent, recent, like as in you know, Morpheus has been gone for about a hundred years when he was captured. That first episode, the first three episodes, really just set everything up um but yeah because we saw him the last time we had saw him was i think it was like 1980s no we saw him like very modern day because dream went back early because he felt bad because he because he admitted that he was his friend that's right he did he did my 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 mistake this is what happens when you binge things like all the one day ladies and gentlemen i'm just saying as much as i love binging sometimes there's sometimes too much information at once can be a bad thing because <laughs> clearly, you know, we're here to talk about the Sandman and I just finished it and I'm like, oh yeah, this, this, and this happens. I like to think I have a pretty good memory, but clearly, you know, it, there, there's always room for error, but 
Definitely. Week to week Netflix. Let's let's make that happen. <laughs> let's make that happen, please. But yes, um, I do apologize for that. You are right. Um, but yeah, it, the um, yeah, sound of, the sound of her wings episode was like you said, you know, death, death, death is a natural part of life. And, you know, it really shows the beauty in it. And of course, like you said, with um, even the guy on his honeymoon, you know, he was, he drowns. And then we have the baby that passed away. The guy was playing the violin um, and the soccer player, which I thought there was a lot, everything, a lot of things came full circle. Some things kind of falter off. Like we already talked about with uh, John D uh, in and of itself. But um, the main storyline, I guess, would be the vortex. And, um, you know, it, it is, no one really knows what a vortex is as we've learned in the series. And, we don't know how they are created. They just kind of are. Well, apparent, apparently it was all kind of a desires master plan in the end, at the end of the day, because he impregnated the grandmother of Rose Walker, which would have made it was kind of confusing because it's like apparently the grandmother was supposed to be the, the, the vortex, but then Dream got captured for 100 years, which I guess kind of just delayed it. And then it got passed on to her, her granddaughter. That's what I was trying to figure out. Um, that was one thing I was like, wait, okay. So Rose's great-grandmother uh, pretty much spent her entire life sleeping. and But she lived this entire other life while she was dreaming uh, through Unity Kincaid. Uh, which who Sandra James Young's plays and she does a like a fantastic job, you know, just just that the polite granny that's you know always there for you at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I was so it does seem that does yeah that was the only way I could actually think about it because I was like okay so how did Unity get pregnant? How did Rose Walker even come to be if she was you know? So I guess. Desire impregnated her while she was dreaming. Who because knows? we see the same thing happens with uh, Lita Hull's character. Yeah, it's actually a very interesting character based on some uh, some stuff I've watched on the series. Um, because in the comics, Lita Hall is the daughter of Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor. So it's very interesting DC connections for that character that I don't know if they'll explore or not. Yeah, I'm not sure if they will yet or not, but I don't know. But I thought it was pretty interesting because, you know, it is the, um, so we find out that Rose is a child of the Endless, which kind of makes her, I mean, the Vortex is essentially like a, a dreamwalker, which is the, they're able to break down, I guess, the, the walls between dreams and reality, and that's where things kind of get messy. But I also, um, like how they were, you know, oh, like dreaming is great, but it's also a fantasy, <laughs> which we saw with Lita's character and how <laughs> I thought it was just weird. I'm like, someone's going to get pregnant in the dream world. And I was like, what? This is so weird. But I mean, it's a weird show, but like it makes it, it was so interesting. Yeah, like, it kind of reminds me the closest thing I can think of as far as like weird, entertaining also, DC show is Doom Patrol, which unfortunately this past week got got the axe along with many others. Well, did it actually give the axe or is it reportedly getting the axe? Reportedly, but obviously wouldn't surprise anybody. I, I just I don't want us to speak on it 
Not yet. <laughs> it, it is It is a good show. If you can give us one more season, <laughs> that would be amazing for Doom Patrol Titans. I could take it or leave it, honestly, um, because, wow, the first two seasons are rough. But season three is not too bad. But I still watch it because I just like watching trash i guess or garbage <laughs> i like the teen titans what can i say but yeah hopefully um doom patrol isn't yeah just um, just the weirdness of it all reminded me a lot of doom patrol just they just kind of let it all out there it doesn't nothing's too weird of an idea exactly and i love how you know with doom patrol we were able to experiment with so many different just storylines and just like, oh, what if we threw this in here, X, Y, and Z? Because I'm not sure if you knew this, Devin, but Doom Patrol was actually actually started after Titans, which is really weird. You would think Doom Patrol came first, but because the Doom Patrol appears in a few of the Titans episodes, and then they get their own spinoff, and then end up being really, really good. But um, I do adore how they, with the Sandman and with Doom Patrol, with these Warner Brothers television properties, how they're just able to kind of just, just get weird with it, you know, just see what works, see what doesn't not make it like, there are a lot of comic book accuracies within the Sandman that there's a video out there that Devin actually showed me about Neil Gaiman actually breaking down the Sandman trailer and it's kind of explaining who these characters are, the people who are new to this world. Yeah. That's a great video. Yeah. Like it actually helped me out a lot. Um, and I was able to enjoy it a lot more. And I was like, oh, like I have like this, this foundation, this basic premise of, hey, this is what's going to happen or not what's going to happen. But like, hey, this is who these characters are kind of giving a little bit of backstory before heading in to a world that, you know, you just know nothing about. Like, I feel like, I mean, maybe. I can't speak for everyone, but I do feel like there might be people out there who kind of just dive into this and may not like it because they just don't understand the, they they don't have like a basic like foundation or understanding of the characters. Even though I don't, it was just nice to know, Hey, this is who desire is. This is who death is. This is who the same man is. And you know, this is who John D is. And it was like, Oh, you know, Neil Gaiman pretty much gave us like a a non-spoiler uh, walkthrough of his entire world. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people complaining about um, the gender swapping and the race swapping, but then like just watch that video and the creator himself is is explaining why he he liked like doing these uh, making these castings. I've seen people literally arguing with Neil Gaiman on Twitter about why he shouldn't have gender swapped these characters. Like, what are you doing with your life? You're talking to the creator himself who made these decisions. And I think that they ended up being great decisions. Obviously, seeing uh, Lucifer and Death as um, females instead of what they were intended in the... Oh, well, Death was female in the in the comic, but she was, a, she was a whitey. Of course, that has people up in arms that she got race swapped. But it's just whoever's best for the role. I mean, they, they nailed it. Yeah. I mean, that's what comes down to, I mean, and especially speaking of Lucifer, I mean, you know, they, there's a lot of biblical references in this uh, series, but especially with Lucifer and she Cain and Abel. Yeah. Cain and Abel, um, Gwendolyn Christie, you know, playing Lucifer and the wings that she's actually wearing. Those are process. Like those are practical mixed in with CGI. 
So I thought that was very uh, interesting. You know, they kind of went the Stranger Things route when it came to Vecna. You know, you have this practical suit and you kind of build some of this, some CGI over him, which is actually really cool. Um, but yeah, um, that, that Pokemon, <laughs> the battle, the mind battle, that duel, it was like a, it was like a rap battle, Pokemon battle, like all in <laughs> one, just like battle of the words going at it. I was like, Oh, what is like, yes. You know, like they say, you know, it, it's this challenge, like this duel, it's like, Oh, they're going to fight. It's like, well, yeah, but it's more of a, a mental, um, kind of like, a, yeah, like a mental state, like battle. It, it was very, um kind of like a like a psychic battle i guess you could say i don't know one of those otherworldly type things kind of like a, a fun game of rock paper scissors almost <laughs> except with the rock paper scissors you're using like anything and everything in the universe which i thought was pretty it's uh, like it was like super fight if you've ever ever played that i've not but i've heard of it so i i, I understand the reference for sure but yeah, this entire series, um, there's just so many full surprises. I mean, the serial convention, I was like, is this yeah. legal? Like, <laughs> there's no way. That's the way they get around it, apparently. I, there's no way that that's like an actual thing, right? Like, Let's look up some serial conventions. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It is kind of funny though. Like a few of the characters were a bit naive. We're like, "Oh, cereal! Well, I don't see any chosen cereal around here." I was like, "I mean, come on, dude! <laughs> like, let's read the room. Read the room." Kellogg's has a cereal festival. Kellogg's, okay. Well, see, that makes sense. That's that's pretty suspicious. National cereal fest. Is this going to be the whole um, Chuck E. Cheese uh, recycled old pizza uh, theory again? The conspiracy. <laughs> It might be. I don't trust Tony the Tiger anymore. Honestly, I haven't. Ch- I, what was Chuck E. Cheese? It was. It was a rat, but I can't. Was it Chucky the rat, or was it? Yeah, he's radish. He's radish or mouse or something like that. Um, but yeah, I I haven't trust Chuck E. Cheese since they decided to uh, start serving alcohol to uh, <laughs> to adults while their kids play. I'm like. Somehow that's literally like a recipe for disaster and let's just not, yeah, not a good thing whatsoever, but, uh, we are coming up here on time. So let's get into our final thoughts and our ratings. I'll pass it back over here to Devin so we can give his final thoughts and ratings of the Sandman. Yeah. Overall a great series. Um, this is what happens when Netflix puts money and time into into these things and, you get a great result with great visuals throughout, great CGI. Forgot to forgot to mention there was a Mark Hamill cameo here as uh, Pumpkinhead. He had a, he had a few lines here and there, which it's always nice to hear. Um, I I mentioned earlier I think the first six episodes were amazing, and then the second half kind of peters off a little bit just because I feel like some of the storylines just don't hit as hard as the first half ones did. But overall, they've set up a lot for season two, so hopefully we get that moving along. And uh, Sandman might have a son or or a, or a kid coming up here with uh, the birth of Lita's child. I think in the comics it ends up being Sandman's kid. So there's a lot that can be. There's a lot that can happen there. I love it how he was like, yeah, um, yeah, this baby's yours for now. Um. Yeah, for now. <laughs> But I'm coming back for it. And they're like, what? But it's so interesting how they were able to peg 
Um, it's like Morpheus is necessarily like a superhero, but he's not necessarily a villain. He's he's just the kind of guy who is, you know, he's he really he literally is like playing devil's advocate. Like he knows what he has to do, but he does have a lot of things that he needs to learn uh learn from. But um what are you what is your score really quick? I would go with overall for the season like a like an eighty seven. Like I mentioned before, the second half doesn't really hit as hard for me as the first half does, but there's a great foundation foundation here and just looking forward to more. Hopefully not the, the Stranger Things timeline of every three or four years, but three. <laughs> please no. <laughs> I, for a second there, I thought you were going to a British accent, but <laughs> I guess not. But for me, yeah, um, I've kind of you know, gave this high praise. You know, there are a few issues I have with it. We've kind of already talked about with, you know, more like the John D. I wish we would gotten a little bit more of that. Um, and just a few side characters that there were nice additions, especially um, not. I mean, the Corinthian uh, was amazing, but I believe it was the the third nightmare because those three nightmare uh, Gilbert's. Uh, guy, uh, actor is Stephen Fry. I thought honestly, I'm like, I want to be this man when I when I get old. Like he's he's so English. He's very just always willing to being, help out somebody. Being a field, yeah, a field of dreams. Yes, as you could say, field of dreams. But yes, overall, just just a phenomenal, a phenomenal adaptation. I wanted to give this like a 90 out of 100. I mean, obviously, you know, there's always room for improvement. That's why. I mean, it's. It's close to perfect, but not quite. But this is definitely in my top five um, series so far that I've new uh, of 2022 that I've watched so far. It is, you know, like I said, the high fan, the, the modern fantasy elements, the high fantasy elements kind of mixed in. It's not like your typical like comic book um, show, much like Doom Patrol, as we've mentioned. But it really just brings home the goals and a job well done by, you know, Neil Gaiman was able to have the series adapted and bring on season two. That's all I got to say. So that pretty much concludes our uh, review here of the Sandman here on the podcast. And if you've liked what you've heard on today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice and make sure to share an episode of our podcast with a friend, whether it be your mother, your brother, your lover, whoever it may be. Make sure to share an episode of the Film Optics Podcast with a movie lover in need. And really quick, uh, what's coming up on deck of this podcast? We have our Bodies, Bodies, Bodies review coming out, hopefully um, as soon as Devin's able to see it. So he's just been very busy this weekend, as you mentioned before. Uh, we're going to be covering some She-Hulk, uh, maybe some House of the Dragon. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I mean... Hey, as of this recording, seven days, baby. Game of Thrones is coming back. Ah, and it's a prequel series. So you don't even have to watch the original series. I'm more so looking forward to the character that I'll probably get added to multiverses when, when this season starts for cross promotion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And of course, um, we're going to be covering our Avatar The Last Airbender Book 2 Earth series revisited that will be coming up on the podcast. Um, haven't set an exact date for that yet, but definitely follow us 
on Twitter for all of those um, episode updates. Um, out now, we have our Bullet Train review that's out now, our Prey review, our Nope review, and our DC Super Pets DC League of Super Pets review as well. So definitely check out those episodes. And yeah, if you haven't seen The Sandman yet, definitely go watch it. It's it's a really good time. But uh, with all that said, we hope you guys have a wonderful day. And we'll see you guys later. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you all for listening. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay in the know. That was Devin. My name is Christian. We'll see you guys in the dreaming. Peace.